Welcome back to the SBP Podcast Mobile Filmmaking. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you are listening to episode 167. Hey, it's another edition of our Fade Into Film panel discussions. Uh, we have Joey Min and Ryan McDonald with us. Levi Austin Morris is traveling back from Australia, where he picked up the Best Feature Film Award for his film Paralysis. I am not at all surprised. Probably you aren't either. It's such a great film. The other thing is that uh, Jason Rivera is not with us. He had a family emergency, and it's going to take a while, so he may not be coming back. So on behalf of all of us, I just want to wish you and your family the very best and cross our fingers that everything turns out okay. Thanks for being on the panel, Jason. We love you <laughs> and we uh, we hope to have you back sometime. All right. Now, listen, we're going to be talking about something really cool for this episode. We're going to be discussing where story ideas come from and how you turn those story ideas into screenplays, uh, how you choose one to turn them into a screenplay to produce the film. Because, you know, that's not what happens in Hollywood. In Hollywood, either you write the screenplay and then you sell it, and then the studio turns that into a film, or you write and direct the film. It can be either or. In any case, we don't do that in indie filmmaking all the time. Actually, a lot of times we come up with the screenplays, we write them, and we intend to produce them. It's actually pretty pretty much a common way that we make mobile films. This is how we do it. We, we write and we create. And no, we don't play all the parts <laughs> as characters. Now, talking about narrative filmmaking... Uh, where do these ideas come from? We're going to discuss this together and it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to give you some tips from Joey and Ryan also in how they do it. I'm working on a documentary myself and I'll be able to share and pitch in a little bit here and there. Usually, you know, I pitch in anyways. In any case, let's go and talk to the guys now. What do you say? We are Fade Into Film. Hey, Joey, Ryan, <laughs> welcome back to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing good, yeah. It's cold as hell. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. You're in New Jersey. I'm back in Jersey. In Jersey. Is in it Jersey. freezing? Like, are the water pipes frozen? I, it, it's, I think... After a month of living in Atlanta, I kind of like the weather. Now I'm back here and it's fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been dry and very warm here. It's been like 80 or something in San Diego. Come back, Joey. Come back. The <laughs> waves are calling you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I possibly might be in the area in like a couple of weeks. I don't know. Oh, possibly. that's awesome. I don't know. You might be here in April, too. Might be there in April. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and Ryan. Yep. Right? Yep. 
All right, I'm sounding funny now. Uh, so, so guys, uh, welcome and thanks for being here. Um, we're going to be uh, discussing something that I think is really cool. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that is where do the stories come from that we write about and then produce into films? Because it's a little different than obviously what happens in Hollywood. I want to share that with you along with Joey. And we're going to go really deep into this. Um, and I guess we should start with where your past ideas came from for your films, both of you. Joey, your film, that your feature film that you shot. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the idea for that? And well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, film. Well, wait I, I, I want to ask yeah. a question first before... Like oh. so, when you say that it, you know, it's different in Hollywood. Yeah. Why would why would you say that? Just in case, you know, for people that might not know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's a very good question. Uh, um, I'm glad. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no, uh, actually, the reason I say that is because uh, screenwriters usually write a screenplay. And they, they, they're very concerned about how they write that particular screenplay, but they're put, they put their heart and soul into that story that they're writing about. And then they sell it or they try to. And they, then a producer, uh, they pitch it to the executive producers who want to turn that screenplay into a film. And uh, then sometime down the line, the producer says, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, here's what we'll give you for it, and now it's ours. And then the director has their own vision, and they uh, change it. And the producers and the studios tend to make changes on top of what the director's vision is. So, so that's really why I say in Hollywood, normally the person who writes the screenplay most of the time, not always, is not the person who produces. And when I say producer, I'm not really assigning that title. I'm saying, you know, the filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? I think like many years ago, or um, I, I wrote this, um, well, this script, right? And a friend of mine thought it was good enough that he tried to, that he was going to, he was pitching it around. And and there was a, a studio that was like, um, you know, they were willing to buy it. And, you know, okay, you know, we'll buy for like 75 grand. But of course me, like, you know, I, I want to be like, well, I want to be part of the process, right? And they're like, no, right? So <laughs> I lost that. And I always kind of like in the back of my mind, I kind of regretted that because like 75 grand would have helped me. I would have like, you know, like I eventually made that that script, but obviously thinking about it, you know. Yeah, you feel like you missed out like, and, the, and that's that's the turmoil part of it because you do get attached to your stories yeah that's it's it's one of the breakthroughs of mobile filmmaking right that now the person i mean you can as a mobile filmmaker you basically you have control it's your story and if you i mean you own it in every way right from beginning to end depending on how what you decide to do as far as distribution is concerned but you own the story. You wrap it. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. You know, if you want to give it away later, fine. But they have to take what you've already wrapped up for the That's most true. part. But isn't that kind of also, I guess, the the idea? With, I think everyone has, like, you know, stories that they would like to tell. It's just, but, like, to execute it, right? Like, that's kind of, like, you kind of have to put that into consideration as well, right? 
Yeah. You know, I, I do, especially on LinkedIn, um, once in a while I get messages from people that, um, they tell me, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a screenwriter and I've got all sorts of, I, I'm cranking out these, these screenplays, you know, uh, I can't remember. I remember one guy telling me he had so many screenplays over the years that they're just a pile of them. And I mean, he named, he, I don't want to put, you know, I don't remember exactly the number, but for me in my brain, I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of screenplays. They're just sitting there. They're just stories just sitting there. And he said, do you know anybody who would want to buy them? And I'm like, no, what do I look like? (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I'm like, I have no idea. And then I said, but you know, you have a phone, you know, people, uh, you know, in the industry, like you just approached me, why don't you, you approach someone to ask them to, to turn that story into a movie instead of trying to sell it to an executive somewhere, a, a producer, mm. you, you know, what do you think, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, Joe. I probably would have sold my script. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would have, I should have. I, 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 I've, I've heard from other people before though. Yeah. There's, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's your baby and, and, um, and so they don't want to let it go. And I don't know, sometimes I'm for the right price. I probably would sell that baby. Um, and, uh, and then, <laughs> and then so use the funny. money to then like make, make like, your own, I think, I don't think know. it's so much the selling the baby thing though, guys. I think what happens is that when you see it made and it, it hurts how much they've torn it up, you want to see that story you know, even even if they make changes for the most part that, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to make. OK, well, you know, it's it's a studio, you know, this and that markability. But when they really tear it up and they take out the most crucial parts, right, that you feel that really could have like we've been talking for a while, all of us about the heart of the story, basically. Right. You know, really good stories that captivate people, you know, and. If they take that out and then all of a sudden the story sucks, but it makes, you know, they think they're going to make a lot of money in Hollywood, but then the audience themselves written by, right. And they're going, that sucked. I mean, I think we've seen (laughs) both, both of those scenarios play out differently. Like, because if you, if you, like, if we look at like Jaws, you know, Spielberg takes Jaws or Jurassic Park and like, they're not necessarily like the book, but they, but they do come out well. Um, and so I think it's possible. They're never well, like yeah, the but I think it's possible to that. Um, that sometimes the the thing that I see is like if if I write it and I don't allow anyone else to um, give me feedback or criticism or anything like that, how it could it could suck just because I wrote it doesn't mean that it's going to be good though. And I think mm-hmm. that you need to of course you need to have a healthy gauge also of other people. Um, reading your script and giving you feedback and but, you know like what's but there are a lot of bad movies there are a lot of bad movies out there and and the the credit for writing that story goes to the screenwriter and the general public doesn't realize that the studios and the directors and the producers you know they had a hand in it and sometimes there it could have been a great and I'm that's not that's exactly what I'm talking about you know you've got a great screenplay. You've already checked in with mm. people. You know, everybody's like, oh, this is great. And then you sell it. You got your $75,000. Mm. 
But then you see that play out and everybody's giving it really bad reviews. I'm not talking about book adaptations in Hollywood. I'm not talking about Jurassic Park or anything. I'm trying, kind of talking about middle-of-the-line movies that really turn out mm-hmm. pretty bad. But I could have taken that 75 grand and make my next script actually doable. Exactly. Right? And own it. Because, like, I, <laughs> I honestly watched the like the thing with um the thing that script that we made that was you know i I was able to sell for 75 grand i did it myself because they turned me down because i said i wanted to be part of of whatever and then you know i saw what i did with it and it's like yeah it's close to the script but the execution wise it's (laughs) terrible because i don't i didn't have the money right to right for certain things so you know so that's it i think it's just because you know in the beginning it's it's definitely it was the the feeling of like, oh my God, this could be my break, right? Like, yeah. and I, I never really, um, I wasn't thinking in like, you know, I wrote this story and I'm I'm sure I could write more stories. Like I shouldn't doubt myself, you know? I'm and that's the thing. pretty sure, yes. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's go to the, you know, let, let's start back where we were going to start. Yeah, <laughs> where do ideas come from? Joey, where mm-hmm. do your ideas, <laughs> That that's where we were. Okay. <laughs> right. Sorry. So back. Uh, no, no, I, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think the silliness of it all, I think, was that um, I, I like making small town stories. Right. And, you know, small town stories back in the 90s, 80s, it's always like, oh, no, like there's like this, uh, this evil crime syndicate or something of some sort of of group invades a small town and they start putting their you know clutches on the people and you know there's like a unlikely hero that kind of saves the day and i just thought about flipping the ideas before you know like it's always like back in the 80s 90s like oh there's this crime syndicate that's peddling this new type of drug and it's affecting the kids right (laughs) but my area that i live in it's a lot of uh like retirement homes and I just had this thought of like, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it, wouldn't the drug cartel be more like it would go under the radar if you sell it to old retired people because they're the most medicated people anyway. So if they OD'd, I think it's just part, you know, and they're about to die they anyway. They get away with it. <laughs> yeah, right. So I had this whole like crime idea that I was like talking to to my group and I'm like, we have to sell drugs to old people. <laughs> like, and it, and, now it and the neighbors kinda, are like, what? Yeah, we were writing the script at an IHOP and people were hearing us. And like, oh. the manager was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? And they had to explain to them. They thought it was pretty funny. So that was that was the concept, you know. So hence why, like, our our hero is, uh, uh, you know, an old Asian lady that does kung fu and all that stuff. So. That's the... So you started to get your idea, basically. I'm just trying to break this down for our listeners a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so you basically, you start getting the ideas from films that you've already watched, right? Yeah. And these, these things that constantly happen. Right. And basically you're like, what if? Yeah, it's kind of like, that? you know, I'm doing a parody of a parody of a parody until a point where it like, it goes like almost full circle. And it, like, it still has the same like story. Like Inception beats. parodies. Yeah, <laughs> almost, right? And then the concept, it's like, oh, and um, I think for our movie, too, I think uh, one of the actors, when I presented to him, because he's also a filmmaker, this one guy in our thing, and he was like, I really like the idea that you guys took a joke and ran with it as far as possible. Yes. 
and you know and that's really just the conception of it all it's the running with it part that gives you the concept yeah. because you really don't know until you're running with it yeah right yeah yeah and i think that's the fun part i think creating worlds like that right totally yeah, because you you know you an idea starts as an idea, and then you go to develop the idea, the development of it, and then that turns into you know like what you were saying, just moving it along, and then it becomes a strategy how you're going to tell that story, um, in the storyline. Ryan, what about you? Um, I don't know. Sometimes uh, the ideas can come from. Sometimes it'd be like a movie that I watch, and that can be. It'll be like, man, I really like the tone of that film. And I would love to do something like gritty. And so you kind of, I don't know, start playing around with characters in your mind. Sometimes um, this this actually just happened recently. Uh, Sophia, my daughter, she wrote um, her script for the, her part two of the Sister Sister Jinx uh, the other day. <laughs> and I was telling her that, um, I was explaining to her that, you know, there's, everybody has like different like thinking places and sometimes it could be like driving in your car or other times it could be like in the shower. And I had just, I'd actually had this in the same day while she was writing her thing. I had like a breakthrough idea on the script that I was working on and, and trying to figure out what was not working in the script that I'm writing. And the idea came to me in the shower and I just know that that's, that's kind of like my thinking space when ideas come. Um, uh, usually and then or if I'm driving in the car so um sometimes kind of like that and obviously with my feature film I, I pulled from um my real life some of the scenarios that happened in the film or c conversations and arguments that I had um some of them it's like a mashup of different uh friends of mine that were married and me kind of putting that together um but also I knew my parameters I wanted to, I wanted something that we could film relatively cheap shoot in one location and have a minimal number of actors. So kind of like having that limitation on there. I, I, I actually think those things kind of help um, be more creative. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, you know, like all directors for the most part, right. Even try to put a little piece of themselves in it. And I don't mean by like putting their character or something like that. Just, their own experiences and their own feelings and perspectives, you know, a little bit inside of their films. Like there's something with Stephen King films where he tends to always throw kids mm -hmm. in there, you know, in his horror films. And sometimes they end up being the protagonist that you didn't know was a protagonist until you get some, you know, way mm -hmm. into it. Steven Spielberg puts in the, the bullyism, mm -hmm. the bullies type of a thing. Uh, with kids and things like that, and also you know the the whole uh, well other things like as well. Divorce Joey, parents, did you? Like yeah, yeah. Joey, did you have any personal thing that you noticed when you were making your film that played a part in it? Um, like in term in terms of of what though? What do you mean by personal? Well, like like what I was just saying, usually in the concept of the stories at some point, mm -hmm. uh, when they're writing the screenplays or when they're starting to think about how, how this, the story is going to shape when they're directing, right. mm -hmm. usually they, 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 there's always a connection to the actual director. Oh, I think it's the, I guess it's just like the, the concept, like I, I, started noticing more of like you know the the area that i lived in like these um 
all these retirement homes and stuff like that and just seeing where and 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 how how uh aging people kind of um how they uh congregate in certain places and stuff like that i became more mentally aware because i've been paying attention more and you know and i i, I guess that's in a what weird i'm way. looking for i'm going to play your psychologist here so, <laughs> and it's just so I, Joey, I guess why is that so important to you why well, is there such a you know the 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 whole issue of basically abusing probably elderly people or taking advantage <laughs> the, of it why is that important to you it's, it's it's the research i need to make this drug cartel actually real like realistic <laughs> enough that it makes sense for the story yeah. to work the way that it does right no matter how goofy my characters are or whatnot it's like like how, like why would why does this world even make sense i'm like oh my god you know right. like that makes sense and then to a point where like why are are there drug cartels that actually sell to old people? Like it, it makes so much sense to me, you know? So that's what. Oh I'm yeah. I, I, I remember working, uh, not working. Sorry. Uh, this mm? girl that I knew <laughs> who said her, her uncle was a legal drug dealer. And I go, what? And she says, yes, he goes, he, he works for pharmaceutical <laughs> companies as a salesperson. And he goes and he shows up to all the doctor's offices and try and gives them samples of drugs um, yeah. to to give to their patients. Yeah, that's what and, I was thinking, though, like mm -hmm. like super designer drugs for like retirement people. Like that's the funny concept. I, I called my drug bingo in, in my in my movie. Right. Because like that just, you know, it just fits. <laughs> right. Bingo. Yeah. And, and it's their um, modified Smarties, the candies. <laughs> and, and so they look like bingo tiles. Right. Yeah. To me, it makes a lot of sense. I'm that's just saying. That's true. Yeah. You know, so, but, but that, that's why I think it's the believing enough in the world that you create, right? It really helps push the narrative of the story so far, right? Like, I think that's what really helps, you know? So we had a uh, filmmaker uh, that came out to our film festival in 2018 and he won the, the award uh, for short film. Anyways. He was talking about how he got this idea, and it was during that shooting that happened at the movie theater. I forgot where it was now, but it was a big deal, and it stirred up a lot of fear from people about going to outdoor places and being shot, right? And it was, I think it was the one with, um, with, um, the uh, Dark Knight, the Batman the Dark Knight movies. Rises. I think it was in Colorado, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So this guy is in Canada. And he watches that and he's looking through that story and he started thinking in his mind, okay, he was with his mom. He went to a theater to watch a movie and he's sitting there and he, his brain just kind of went like, oh my God, what if that happened here? And he started thinking about scenarios, how he would get out, what he would do. And then he went home and he thought this actually might, you know what? I'm going to make a film about this. And so he made a short film. And so he went, I'll put a little link to it uh, in the notes. And he basically made the short film and it was hilarious and it was funny. But at the same time, it was kind of, it was kind of cool that he came up with a, an idea from something like that. And it was, I think one of the, one of the best and the most popular ways that we come up with ideas for stories and films is we do that what if 
you know, it's it's probably the most popular thing. Like we witness something and we go, what if, you know, uh, for me, a lot of times, probably because I love to take pictures of places and things like that, too. Uh, landscape pictures, things like that. I'm always thinking about locations, storing up ideas for movies. Like, have, have you ever done that? Uh, either one of you can answer that. Like, have you ever gone somewhere and said this would be a great location for making a movie? Oh, yeah. I've And the city that I live in, Ogden, I mean, it's got some historical aspects to it and um, old buildings. And so, yeah, so it's constantly kind of like looking around and going like, I would love to film something here at this spot. Um, or especially in uh, also one of the things about the landscape here is, is you can be in, you can, <laughs> there's a lot of like flat land kind of like plains, but then also we're in the Rocky mountains as well. So like you could, so everything can easily mask as something else as a different, as a different, uh, state or a different place. And so there's, yeah, that's oftentimes it's like, God, this is a great spot. I'd love to put something here. Now I got to come up with, with a story that guides me here somehow. Has it ever happened to you where that's where the story transforms, just sitting there looking at something and going, this story just erupts from it? Depending the type of genre that, you know, most people like, you know, most filmmakers, like, you know, they usually kind of acclimate to one. Like, it, is there like an idea usually that comes up like, is it through experience or, or something? Because I know for me, like, since we do a lot of comedy and like, you know, lighthearted comedy, um, a movie usually stems from a joke, like a simple joke. Mm. And and it becomes a concept. And That's what I was talking about before, that a lot of times it does come. There is some con- some connection to you, the person that comes up with the idea. Right. Yeah, well, and I mean, the last couple, like the last two short films that I've directed have both been horror films, but they're not really like scary where like I, I like comedy horror. And so yeah. um, <laughs> and then some of it is uh, like the moon's blood one, where it's like the reason why the wolfman shows up isn't because of the moon. So I tried to take something and kind of like twist it enough to make it where it's um, it's an old story that we've the story of a guy turning into werewolf we've seen before, but it's like, how do I change that into making it something that's more original and also uh, funny in what I think is way. And then when it comes to the, the way the blocking is and Joey, you probably, uh, you do this a lot more than I do, obviously. Um, but I have to like, I have to like stand up and kind of like, I'm like, I'll be talking, I was speaking with my wife, Brandy, um, who's been on the podcast before, but I'll be chatting with her and kind of just, saying out loud what's going to happen next. I was like, and then he rips his arm off and he pulls the guy's heart out and throws it at And it's like, oh my gosh, that's just what I, that's exactly what I needed. Um, kind of t- speaking out loud. And <laughs> and then sometimes yep. there's uh, situa- like situational things. Like um, we even, it would be, uh, we watched a lot of Larry David uh, stuff as well, Cooper Enthusiasm. And so there's, um, earlier today we were at a funeral and there was a scenario where a guy came out of the bathroom and I was really hoping that he had only gone number one in there. Cause, but when I went in, I, I found out that he didn't. Um, and I was like, that's such an odd time and place to, to do that <laughs> um, at, at the funeral home. And then when I left the bathroom, I was like, I was like, the next person is going to like think that was me because of how the stench that was in the bathroom. <laughs> and sure enough, someone else is walking by. I'm like, God damn it. Like they, they, they think it's me though, but it wasn't me. And that saying that out loud, um, prompt my wife, Brandy, to be like, 
it's really funny that like we should do a skit or something like that around that idea. Um, something like that happening. So they, they, they kind of come to you. These ideas come to you at just at random moments, um, by situational things that happen that are, you know, kind of like not really expecting it. Right. Right. Uh, I think that's pretty funny actually. <laughs> what you said there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like, it, there, so there are little things that happen that you can make into like, wait a minute. That could, I could make a movie out of that. Yeah. Right. And okay. So the other part of, of the ideas is how do you figure out whether it's a good enough idea that you want to write a screenplay for? Of course, maybe we should distinguish this into two things for a short film and for a feature length film as curator of the international mobile film festival. Now going into our 13th edition, (laughs) I can tell you there are a lot of short films I've watched and there are, Numerous feature films I've watched. And the distinction between the two, both of them are, obviously, they want to entertain and captivate the audience. The difference between the two, though, and it is harder with a feature-length film than it is with a short film, to captivate an audience and hold them and take them for a ride where you're just going up and down and around and this way and that way for, you know, 90 minutes. As opposed to, you know, a 10-minute movie or a 5-minute movie, right? What I notice from short films, though, is that they tend to be very message-driven. They tend to have a really big punch at the end and, you know, kind of like commercials in a way that they have to kind of tighten everything up and tell a short story and they want to make a big impact with a short film. So maybe in thinking that way, How do you go and say, all right, I got this idea for a movie. It's going to be a short film. And I'm going to make this into a film. Like, I'm literally going to make this into a film. What happens in your thought process at that point? I mean, I I have my own ideas, but what happens in your thought process? You've made, like, I don't know, like, seven short films this year uh right <laughs> no not really but yeah i've been involved in no he's like them. no not really i've only made six uh it depends on how much meat's on the bone really like and with because and i've started plenty of uh, screenplays um feature length so that i think are a feature length idea and i start getting into it and i realize that i just don't have enough information to make this last um or I don't have it really like fleshed out all the way to make it all the way to the end. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing. That's one thing I find out, um, is, uh, is how I know it's going to go from a short to a feature. I think that you're, yeah, you're pretty close on that. Like there's not a whole lot of like completely message driven feature films and it does tend to be in the, the shorts, but I also find a lot of people, we'll meet people who have like, a they want to, they have a feature film idea, but as they're telling it to you, you can just tell that it's like, it's a short film. They just, they just don't realize (laughs) it yet. Um, and because it's just, it depends on, is there enough information to really pull the story through an entire, you know, 60, 70 minutes or 90 minutes, um, where it would be worthwhile. And do you ever watch that movie crash? I've seen both. Yeah. Like I've seen the David Cronenberg yeah. one, and I've seen the um, why is his name escaping me? Uh, the because they're basically telling stories of basing them around characters. Oh, I guess that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and then they all kind of merge. They're different stories. They each have mm-hmm. their own plots, and then they all kind of end up coming together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another way of approaching instead of just taking one story and have it that one story captivate everybody throughout the entire 90 minutes or two hours that they took that and they said, okay, we have these different characters. They're each going through a thing. And what was the one where they were, uh, they, it was raining frogs Magnolia. or something through it. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they all kind of end up with that mm-hmm. same scenario. I thought yeah. that was genius. Yeah, that's actually it. Um, my friends, we've talked about doing, trying to do like an anthology film where it's like each of us just comes up with a short and then we put them all together um, for one big horror film. Um, and, but that's one of the, that's how I did Married and Loving It was I was thinking of, I came up with five different scenes and I was like, I've, I've shot enough short films to know that I can do these in about, and I can, sh- I could probably shoot each of these pieces in a day or so. And I was like, I'll just tackle each one like they're an individual short film and then put them together. So it's kind of what it is. That's why there's really only five scenes in the movie. It's just that each scene, the, the challenging part then was actually how do I make the scene go, you know, 15 pages um, or so. And then, and then on top of that, you know, once you've got the story, you've got to think about, okay, I'm going to produce this. I got to come up with the locations. Can I do that? I got, I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about this in our in our last session but we can talk about this because i mean that's a big part of it too where you're thinking as a producer you're thinking about all these other things joey Mm -hmm. joey yes (laughs) um uh, what's your take on this um hmm. i mean because like i don't know Actually, how sometimes do you decide how do you go okay this is a great idea these are some great ideas for films um, now I'm going to write a screenplay and produce it. I think if it's, uh, if it's something that I, I guess it's kind of like what you said, it, it does start with a message and then it kind of, kind of evolves from it. Or sometimes like I have this, um, actually it's funny, like during this last production I, I was working on, um, there's this boom guy, uh, his name, like well, the nickname is angry Dave. But when he's not angry, he's calm Nick. I don't know how that works, but that's what it is, <laughs> right? And I just had this idea about uh, it's so funny, like seeing him um operate his his uh, you know the boom and whatnot. And I was like, oh man, that'd be a funny idea if like I I wrote a story about like some it's a it's a boom operator and he's like a kung fu master and he knows like how to <laughs> stick fight or something and like what adventures happen. And, and I guess like kind of I was like talking to stuff about it and we had this really funny idea that we just kind of evolved from this character, which was like an idea, but actually spawned like a, a story that we were thinking about before, like years ago. We had like an idea that we wrote down, but now it kind of had it, that I, idea of this person being a boom operator kind of just gave the world some, um, I, I guess, like some tangible qualities that we were able to really keep talking about like that idea before. So, I mean, that's one of the ways that I, you know, how we create stuff. And I'm not sure if I would write a full um, story Feature. to this, yeah. yeah. but the, the concept is, is just, it's a nice thing to have, you know? I think also sometimes you have stories that 
have been developing in your head and then you just kind of drop them. You're like, I don't know where I would go from here on that. You just kind of drop it and then something else happens maybe months later, sometimes even a year later and you go, oh my God, you're tying it up. So sometimes it takes longer and you're going and you're continuing your story. It's just like you keep dropping it and then picks up again. You drop it, picks up again. And the next thing you know, you got a whole thing. Exactly. I mean, you know, sometimes it just takes time for an idea to cook until, you know, you, you experience more of the world and somehow create something that's uh, that actually works. You know? Yeah. I also think this happened with Ryan with with your film because you started it and then it then you had to redo it or something, right? Uh, yeah, I, I spoke about this in the, in the last episode. There was a it wasn't one of my films. It was a um, it was a friend of mine. It was his film, his feature film, and um, you know we did a we we did a kind of a screening just as a uh, just screening the movie, uh, just just a few of us to kind of see you know what's working in the movie, what's not, and we it was pretty clear that one of the actors needed some. It wasn't their best. Uh, and it was pretty clear throughout the whole throughout the whole movie. So there was kind of a, a so we so we kind of came up with the battle plan as far as like where can we do just insert shots that are close ups of that one actor and then just spend time getting the better performance out of them because they are in the movie like the entire time, almost of the entire film. Uh, so it was kind of like reshooting those pieces. Um, we had left open when I did Mary and Loving It. We had left open the idea that there would be. Um, some reshoots, but I was, I mean, what we shot is what, what's in the movie actually. So, um, I'm pretty yeah. happy with, with what we got. And yeah, well, and reshoots are not the same thing as the story, like adding a part to a story. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody listening out there who's going, well, actually that's happened to me where we shot the movie and then we, we created an entire new scene because we realized the story wasn't flowing as it should. It wasn't telling itself properly. And I find the last two horror films I've done, I've actually had to, while we're editing, I can tell that I'm, I'm like missing a few shots that aren't setting it up better. And so then we kind of, so then we have to run back out and shoot something really quickly because on those moments where I'm doing it for another competition. So I, I have a deadline that I'm on. Um, in the case of what I was, the story I was saying is though, no, we, we reshot that person's like scenes and we didn't come up with any, it wasn't anything new that was, that came up. It was more of like, we just need more time with a better, a better performance from that person. So. Um, yeah. That's usually yeah, what cause happens. Cause, yeah. um, but anyway, so, but it got done and, um, worked out. So yeah, it got done. So in tying this, you know, uh, for you guys who are listening, you know, this is, you're listening to all these story ideas and how these things are developing. And what I'm hoping is that that's actually stirring up your creativity and imagination in you so that will help you in coming up with more stories. Sometimes it's like a journey, like a path you're taking from your brain uh, as you're going down the line because you are storytelling. And it's one thing to tell a story. Have you ever, Ryan, because <laughs> of your daughters and stuff, um, <clears throat> decided to just make up a story to tell your kids because you don't feel like sitting down and reading a book? 
and you're just moving <laughs> it along. Oh, yeah, there was, um, gosh, uh, there was this time where I was reading, like, the, these, like, Teddy Ruxman books, um, and to, to Sophia when she was really little, and she couldn't read, so she didn't know at the time because she was only, like, two. So, like, she couldn't tell. I, I just got so tired of the stories that were in I just started, I was just making it up and pretending as I was reading it. Um, because it just would go and there was like 40 pages sometimes. And I was like, so I would like grab like you know, three pages at a time and just kind of like, and then now they went over here and they did this. She didn't know any different. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I've, I've, uh, written, I mean, I've written, uh, I've done that too. Uh, written short stories for like my, I remember one of my friends had a little kid and she said, um, you know, my kid loves here, put, she'd put him on the phone. So I would make up stories, you know, to tell them and stuff like that, just for entertaining. But telling a story to a little kid sometimes doesn't have to have the complicated, um, you know, strategy that it does, you know, for an adult or for, for a grown-up. It's all about entertaining for them. They're not keeping track of anything, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, but I would also write them for them and then... I, I did that a few times, exactly what you're talking about. When you're at somebody's house and they're like, oh, read me a book. You're like, oh, this <laughs> book. <laughs> and then you just make it up. So, yeah, I think, I think, when, so now, before we go too, too much into this, I mean, let's just, let's just go to the end here and say, okay, you're taking your concepts, you're running them through your friends. Is that what you do? You run them through friends and contacts, your crew, your team. And you say, hey, I'm thinking about um, making, you know, I, to me, I would think you would do it before you write the screenplay, right? Um, But I could be wrong, where at least you have a treatment for it. And you say, I'm going to write, or an outline at least. This is the story. What do you guys think? Should we, should I write a screenplay for this and we can make it? Or what do you guys think? I've gone both ways because I've there's been t- I there's been so many times I've I've you know spent twenty minutes telling somebody this idea and I'm like oh my gosh this such a great idea it's such a great idea and then I never then it fizzles by the next day and I realize I'm not really that in love with it and so I kind of feel like I maybe I wasted their time by going by explaining the whole thing um, so I've done I've done both but I try to be conscious about how much how much talking I'm doing about it and compared to how much writing I'm actually doing about it. Um, but if you're trying to bounce an idea off somebody, um, or well, if you're, you know, it is best, I think to always bounce an idea off, off of, uh, off of your trusted, um, comrades, because then you, you know, cause if, especially if they're, if it's like in a comedy sense, if they're laughing and you're laughing, then it's probably going to be funny, at least to the two of you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you should be making whatever you're writing. It should be for yourself. Um, and hopefully other people will just enjoy it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. In the end, you f- it, it kind of feels like you're trying to get validation. from. I'm pretty stubborn once I get an idea stuck, you know, as far as like, you know, my documentary, uh, for example, this documentary that I'm making, it's going to be a series because I know I'm being realistic that with the film festival and the podcast, there's no way I'm going to be making a feature length documentary that's ever going to get done. And so I'm thinking about six different stories around that same topic of art and community. The one thing that I, that I know is that I have a connection 
as I've, I'm coming up with the, with each episode, a connection to making each one of those happen. I have the stubborn part of me is I'm not making something that I don't know anyone that can connect me to the right people to make this happen. You know, I do have that. It's I'm not lacking that confidence. I'm not looking for validation. I'm just looking for my resources right now so that I can make it happen. But it's not the other way around. Joey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I bother- Are we bothering you? <laughs> no. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Listening. <laughs> uh, so uh, on your end, um, you have an entire team of people that you're constantly communicate having communication with about each and every project and things like that. And I know that you have, you know, the, um, the YouTube channel. Uh, define entire team. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. only really uh, just... The, the 600 people that this, you have. <laughs> just Steph and I, really? Um, yeah. So the art school dropouts, you have, you work with at least four or five people, right? Um, No, it's actually just Steph and I. There are sometimes I see a few other people involved. But, in that. Yeah, like we have, I, I guess, other people that we kind of reach out to when we, um, you know, once we start executing uh, a script or, or, or something. But it yeah, really, it's just that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, but like the conception of stuff, it's really just Steph and I. I'm, I'm like the creative, and she's the the logistics, I guess. Right. So you have this a little bit of a pool of people that once you've decided, okay, we're going to do this. That you can reach out to these people as, okay, we're going to do this. You want to be a part of it? Yes. Yes, definitely. And then at that point, there's a conversation that happens like, what do you mean? Do I want to be a part of what? Do they ever (laughs) have any input? (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I think, you know, that that is the the spirit of collaboration. Um, I think, though, uh, usually a lot of the stuff that I've kind of given is kind of already fleshed out. And they would like look at it or they would like read it. And, you know, if it's, oh, that's funny or that's pretty cool, you know, and then we just kind of go on from there, really. Yeah. That's like, um, that's like the, I think why, uh, I know it's different for other YouTubers because I, you know, like I've, I've also have friends that are YouTubers and that are much more, uh, I guess, in line with the whole idea of the algorithm. Like they create content for, for the algorithm and i i really hate saying that because it just makes our art form just a like a product by saying content but to them it is content you know, you know like, content is not devalued just by the word itself yeah you know but you know but they they study like the trends they have like this whole formula they have all of these tools and apps to you know give them numbers and and you know derivatives and data of what is uh, trending and, you know, a lot of how they or what video they make next is kind of based on science. Yeah, it's, it's actually both interesting and it's it's a mini Hollywood if you really think about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, probably even actually I, I can't even say it's a mini Hollywood. It's probably just as big. And I, I think after working this this last production, it's the idea of like. You know, like I, I guess hearing um, some, you know, how producers think and, and how they uh, I guess a lot of the older producers that have been in the business for a long time, they don't realize how big of a machine like YouTube and social media videos are. Right. 
And uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, there, there is a lot of a lot of behind the scenes that are not really obvious. It just looks like, oh, somebody threw some stuff together and they're just having fun and then that's it. Yeah. And it's not. It's just a different them like different markets that I'm pretty sure if they understood how both would work, you know, there's going to be a producer or like a money guy that's going to come up through the ranks of, of like Hollywood that knows how to implement both, uh, you know, like mass media, like uh, movie consumption, as well as social media uh, marketing. It's called AI. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Bad word. <laughs> I, I doubt yeah, it. You AI know, like, will do it. I don't know. I don't think so. It's it's. I think it, I mean, there's there's so much human part. No, no, no. I really, I, I, I think like I've been thinking about it and just seeing how everyone works. Like I get the idea of the machine and algorithm and Hollywood and numbers and all of that, but to actually yeah. navigate that and to put that together, you need a very human, like very human person to think that way through like i don't think ai will ever be able to connect what makes something trending i think it could under i can, i think it could tell you what's trending but to actually predict what will be trending you really need a human for that and i'm almost yeah. thinking like okay an excel spreadsheet one of the most boring thing documents <laughs> <laughs> like but there's so many formulas right that you create that are connected to these other things and then you connect things to it. And it just, if you close your eyes for a second and think about the last cell at the bottom, that the conclusion of this whole mess of formulas, mm -hmm. the result that you want at the end, it sort of navigates itself from all these little formulas down to it. And I think a lot of apps and software kind of tend to do that. Um, in that sense. And to me, it's kind of like, like if you go to Google and you put in a search for something, it's, it's like a going into the universe and saying, wish upon a star, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And being yeah, able but it to could say, only really Venus. regurgitate something that is already been made well, that has been yeah proven, that's what right? i'm saying that it's taking data that's already there yeah but that's what i'm saying i feel like it would never replace the idea of a, of a human person actually navigating and actually combining and making a new neural pathway you know if we were talking about that yeah way. i'm i'm definitely not a neural path a new one but i think it could take everything as a formula like algebra and then come up with the answer at the end yeah, but that's that's the I think that's the thing that I'm saying is that like the answer at the end is always going to be the same answer. Right. But we're in the I guess in the business of, of telling stories. Right. And what makes it, you know, what stories are inherently human. And I think that part you always will need the human because that's yeah. the art. That's well, the yeah, art even part. even the stories itself, I think by nature itself, like with new experiences happening, like the human part of just telling a story to be able to tell to other people to understand that story is, you know, like that's always going to evolve, right? There yeah, might I be think, some... I think you're right. I think you're right that the story part for sure, because that's, that's the art form. That's the human thing right there. But I think to be able to say, would this story versus that story 
and what are people seeking and what what pleases people what makes people click here what makes people um you know if you're thinking about it as a business model like hollywood <laughs> we're talking about mini hollywood and i think that's what where i was going with this if you're thinking about it as a business right you have the human story and then you feed it into this thing and it says, well, this might, this might not. And it includes all the data that it takes a lot of work for people to, I mean, like, I'm just amazed at what you were just saying earlier about having people come together with, with all of this, you know, all those numbers and statistics and things like that to, to figure this out on how to play this story, you know, to put it out better and navigate through that. That's incredible. That's impressive. I, I I think so. That's why, like, yeah, like I think for I know with all of the talk of AI and stuff, and I I know people are are scared about it. I I I don't know how much AI would will would replace people in 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 uh, films, but I just really. don't think <laughs> I just don't I, I just don't think it will completely do it because there will be, there will become a point in time where it's like, yeah, no, I want to see real people doing yes. stuff. Right. Yes. Cause especially in the stunt world, you know, how, like they have this new thing with like the AI likeness and it's like, you know, getting digitally. Standard. That is so right now is so it's yeah. such a, yeah, that's just, that's crazy because like, remember the making of Titanic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever watch the making of that? Like the CGI, you know, all the people on the on the ship, oh, yeah. right? Like they took three or four people and duplicated them to like hundreds, you know, to make it look like, oh, these people are falling off and these people are just kind of scooting down the boat as it's sinking and these people are falling off the edge and these people are just like, you know, and all these things. I think Braveheart was the same way. You know, with Mel Gibson, that movie where they were having these big battles and they were duplicating people to death. And you can't really identify, especially emotion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, identify who is who. But but yeah, I mean, it's like, how are you supposed to move up the ranks? You know, if you're just like a bunch of pixels now, you know, um, I, I really hope that uh, nobody's misunderstanding what I was saying. I'm not a mathematician. If I could use AI (laughs) to do all that math for me, hey, right on. But to actually create and write that story and, you know, tell that story, there is no way. I mean, some of you out there may be saying, oh, yeah, they could. They could write this. They could tell that story. I don't, I only think that storytelling from human to human is where we find our connections. And I don't think AI is going to be able to do that. Because if we're talking about pure algorithm, I mean, yeah, sure. Like it's already been done. But then again, right. the audience that that absorbs that type of um, uh, like algorithm media are, are children, right? Like it's, yeah. I you know, like you can... You can you really know, mess up their 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 progress in development. Right. It's like the Rube, Rube Goldberg machine where it's like, you know, it's just shit that's moving and kids could just watch it like yep. for hours. It's it's the same thing with YouTube. Like, that's why they have all of these. Like, I, 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 I saw this one channel. It's um, basically uh, like this dude. He just builds uh, 
very long, intricate tracks for Hot Wheels. And he puts a GoPro on a Hot Wheel and and boom, it's like five million views. And this guy is being sponsored by Domino's Pizza. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's like that is very cool. There is work to it. But like like is something is that actual like filmmaking or video or, or art like it's not. But like it but it still sells to kids and they it sells products. Right. So that's what it is. It's kind of like. It was that movie Idiocracy, like it's kind of that, you know, like I'm 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 proud that you know people could make stuff like that, but if you know if they're kidding themselves that like yeah, dude, I I make Hot Wheels videos and I have the most intellectual people like <laughs> watching this shit, and I'd be like, okay, dude, you know. Yeah, I I think the development of children's brains is kind of important. Yeah, like like Ryan was saying uh, in one of our. AI episodes about, you know, SpongeBob, blah, blah, blah. But that's not all you're feeding to kids. We don't want a world that is just all that kids consume is just idiotic slapstick, you know, uh, weak, empty, hollow stories. But, you know, to, to a lot of companies, it doesn't matter. It's money, you know? Well, yeah. And that's where the AI would say, well, yeah, if you do it like this, it'll make you money. And then they're going to just go with that. But exactly. the audience is going to miss something from that. So, yeah. So I think making people sit through that, uh, you know, I, I guess if if all of society ends up being dumbified, right, to this content constantly. But there's still there's always going to be access to the older content and then they just won't watch new movies anymore. I'd like to believe in in the, um, I'd like to believe in humanity. Yes, right. Me too. I think there will always be people that are just, you know, part of the, part of the bell curve, right? The certain part of the bell curve that is that would be easily appeased to watching trending um, algorithm based content on on YouTube or forever will enjoy. You know, Spider-Man beginnings number 45, you know, you know what I mean? Like we've seen how Spider-Man has been Spider-Man like at least four or five times now. In 3D and cartoon and and yeah, everything. Yeah, And, you know, Marvel will forever pitch the history or the beginning of Spider-Man over and over again because it's just, you know, there's. But that's that's what I mean, though. Like, I think you can. I think there's still. There are still uh, merits of telling a brand new story, even if it doesn't make money, right? I mm-hmm. think there's always merit to 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 telling your own story, right? And I think that's why I I love the I love indie film e- even more. After like you know working on on stuff like this, it's uh while I you know I'll be honest and I'm not gonna not stop working for these productions from time to time, definitely, because, you know, it does, it, it is good money. Um, I think I do want to limit my interaction with the idea of, of, you know, of Hollywood simply because it's like, like I'm there and, you know, the, not everybody on set is likes film, you know, like a person that is a PA for the background people are, are there because it pays, you know, it, it pays money and they're just good at, at hurting people, but have no clue what, you know, what, it, what a film is, you know, 
it's like I'm I'm always surprised, like, you know, talking to people, you know, and like like, you know, uh, like a 60, 60 man like uh, production crew and and like not a single person knows how to edit something or doesn't understand. Like they'll tell you, you know, they can like a cam op would know the technicalities of a Sony, uh, you know, Sony camera. But they 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 don't understand how to actually put scenes together or something like that, which is kind of like to me sounds weird, right? That's part of cinematography. You know, from what I learned in school, cinematography is not just about shooting it's about knowing how you're putting things together, like you just said. And we we did that by editing things together with cinematography at the same time, the juxtaposition of shots. Right. Why you're shooting. You know, uh, I was just saying this in the solo episode in the last one that when you're shooting something at just as a videographer, you're shooting, you're doing tilt, you're doing pans, you're doing this way, you're doing that when you get multiple shots so that when the editor puts it together along with what someone is saying, that they can pick the right right shot in there that actually matches. The thing is that the, the person who is, say, you know, being interviewed or something like that. This is like in a documentary or something. They may be saying, yes, and we were we were going up this hill. Well, now, you know, you've got you've got this B-roll here, but you've got one where the camera person, instead of going from side to side, they were tilting up on this hill instead of just showing a hill, you know, doing a pan to the left and a pan to the right or going down. So they're, the editor is going to pick that shot that says, oh, and as the person being interviewed, we're going up a hill. The B-roll is showing the camera moving, going up the hill. And those things all together, it's very hard for 60 people <laughs> to see that. But if there's not one person that's getting that while well, this thing is happening, then the the result in the end is just going to be shallow. It's just not going to have yeah. that, that, that strong impact that tells a better story. And I think for our listeners, what we're getting to here is to put the thought of the storytelling that you want to do with the storytelling that you want to actually create. Because there's two parts of this. I've got an idea. I'm telling you a story. I want to tell this story, but how are you going to create that story? Now that you're not just handing it off to somebody else, that's on you. So that's got to be part of the decision as well. You guys have anything else to add? Not too much. I, guess. I mean, I, 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 I follow what, uh, kind of what Joey was saying. I, I believe a little bit more in the, the, uh, the artists in our world. And I think we're just at another crossroads where, uh, just like when we, when television was invented and it was like, oh, that's going to be the death of cinema. And then when home video distribution was invented and that was like going to be the death of the cinema and um, then streaming and, and now AI. And I, 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 I don't know it, I mean, you know, it, there's like, even with AI, like Chris Nolan and the Quentin Tarantino's and, and the Joey's and the Ryan's and the Susie, they're all still, we're still going to make movies and be storytellers. Yeah. And yeah. Still gonna be well, people we're at making the beginning movies. of this whole yeah. I mean, AI has been around forever, but we're at the beginning of this concept. Yeah. And you have AI. a whole list of people who are, I mean, even if you were to go back 20 years, you're, there'd be people who watch dumb crap and find it really entertaining. 
and people who can't stand it at all. Just yeah. like you have now where there's kids who are watching dumb crap and find it incredibly entertaining. And I, and it's, and I don't yeah. find it that entertaining at all. I think it's, we're just going through another cycle of this and, um, and you know, and if, and if Marvel, I'm picking on them here, but if they want to sell us a completely AI generated Spider-Man movie, whatever, because like they're doing, because you're still going to get your, your Oppenheimers, your, you know, movies. Um, you're still going to yeah. have that. And there's even now with like digital with where people where you know, um, they, you know, director has been shooting digital now for, for years. Michael Mann was one of the first people to do it, but does, and though the film companies, some of them, like even Kodak went bankrupt, but there are still pure, there are still purist directors who will shoot on film though. Um, and yeah. hasn't necessarily taken away from that either. So I think we're just going through another cycle and it'll just, and in 10 years, there's going to be something else that we're going to be talking about. That's now the, the newest death of cinema. And exactly. um, I think the thing that's killing it more is just, just unoriginal ideas in my opinion. Um, right. and that's where you're seeing, that's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. The the original ideas, they yeah, come like from lately people. with the Marvels Humans. movie. Uh, I didn't see it, but like you know when they're going like, oh, it's, it's, proof, it's proof that uh, the the box office like lackluster of it all. It's like it's proof that you know people are getting superhero fatigue. No, the movie just looks like crap. <laughs> like it looks like crap. So no, <laughs> I, that's not that's why I didn't go see it. Yeah. It looks it it doesn't look very good. Um, why did people like? you know, run to go see Oppenheimer because it looked really good. Because uh, we know, because we know the mm-hmm. auteur behind the, behind the lens, you know. And there's another reason though, Ryan. It's because other human beings told them it was yeah. really good too. Well, yeah. And so uh, isn't that, isn't it interesting if you make a good movie, people want to go see it. Um, and right. So as, as any time as we always, as, there's a thousand, there's a million stories of the penny pinchers and the bean counters who like, um, who think that they, the one reason why this movie did so really well was because of this. And then they try to replicate it. And it's like, that's not actually why that movie was, did so well. <laughs> the movie did really well because it was a good movie. And here's why it was a good movie. Um, it's not just because it had this actor in it or this one person. It was a collection of a collection of things that were put together. So, um, we're just going through a thing. And, and I, and I think that, um, they're not paying me for this opinion, but uh, they could though. Um, wait, wait, the, hold on. We're yeah. paying you for this. I think opinion. that no, I kidding. think that if they want to get back to box office gold, and they want us. Well, here's the other thing: is is the the window for the window for um, distribution is changed now too. I mean, w- w- you mentioned Titanic mm-hmm. earlier, and I remember Titanic was out in theaters for like 50 weeks or something. It was long, um, and yeah. If it succeeds, they they bleed yeah. it out as long as. And possible. now with the rise in you know ticket prices have been kind of insane for a while, and it's getting even higher. I mean, hell, I can't take I can't take four kids to go see a movie. It's like it's it's Plus sixty dinner. bucks just to go see. Um, we saw Cruella, and it's like uh, I remember when we went and saw that. So so of course I'm kind of like I could go, or I could just wait and say, until. Because it's going to be on, like, I mean, come on. Barbie came out in July. It's already on, in an, and now we're in November, and it's been on Amazon for two months. You know, like, already. Oppenheimer oh. is on Amazon uh, yeah, right now, but too. but you can't stream it. Like, you, well, you can if you rent, if you rent yeah, it for... Yeah, you can. Tw- 
if you rent, if you it, rent yeah. it. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not Amazon Prime, mm. you know, whatever you call it, but you can still rent it yeah. at home. If but there was like, a, my understanding was is that he put a restriction saying like, hey, or Christopher Nolan put a restriction saying like, it needs to be out for X amount of time in theaters before we go into, go into streaming. Um, well, let's see if you and I could make movies where we can, we yeah. get to tell the industry how long it gets All to right. be there. Bro. <laughs> But yeah, isn't, wouldn't that, wouldn't like mobile filmmaking, like right. you know, I'm sure somebody out there would be like, oh, that's the death to cinema. Everybody could film everything yeah. on their phone, <laughs> shit, you know? <laughs> well, that would take another episode. <laughs> uh, the stuff that people, yeah. Well, because I was there at the beginning and people had so many misconceptions about it uh, from the get-go. You know, I remember this guy, you know, messaging me on LinkedIn are you telling me you know no you can't watch movies on on a little screen like that what what the hell i'm so insulted and i'm like oh my god that's not at all i'm totally the opposite i'm talking about putting him on the big mm -hmm. screen and then they don't want to hear it people just get really stubborn people get really touchy about this stuff and i get it it's it's there is an art there is a science you know um and the technology uh, having a place into it where it's in everybody's hands. This is this is where you guys who are listening to this come in. Like I was saying earlier, it's up to you. You got you got ideas. You just have to pick at least one. Build it. You know, write it into a screenplay. Get some people together and make that film. It's not only going to be. Uh, oh, I'm making a film and that's it. And then it'll be on YouTube. No, it's going to do, there's a flip side to that. How good you feel about making a film, completing a film. Joey and Ryan can attest to the fact that probably a thousand years ago when they made their first film, <laughs> you know, when you were finished with that, what were you guys feeling how good did that feel how did that give you the confidence i know this we've already gone over time but i want to end it with that i don't want it to go on too long but i want to end it with that because i think that's the icing on the cake how good did you feel at the very end of the first project that you finished and what did you what did it do for you that inspired you because you can inspire yourself to say i want to do it again i'll start with joey i think it's the idea of of like creating uh, hmm. i think there was way, some sort of magic way back when you started yeah like there there is i because i still feel it now like the the whole nice there's something about like this this feeling this this thought that it's uh it it really drives me forward like the idea that i had something that's like intangible something that just lives in my head right and actually putting it into reality something that people could see and watch you know it, it's um it's magic you know it's the the it's like one of the I'm, I'm sure this is my uh choice of of creativity and i know other creators have their own but like something that you know you could create out of nowhere to to make real that's like you know, that's insane if you really think about it that's that's really insane right yeah and uh and i still feel that magic every time i do something so awesome 
I thought it. Oh, I made my first short film when I was uh, 17, 16, 17. So I can't honestly tell you how I felt. Um, <laughs> Uh, as a as a as but a memory back, question. but it, <laughs> I had this conversation earlier this evening uh, with Brandy, and we're and I've I've never done a hard drug like cocaine, but I reckon that it feels the same. Like that's what I I use that reference. I'm like it's like making a movie is like taking a bump of crack. Like it's it, it nothing gives me higher <laughs> than that. Like euphoria. Yeah, like I'm kind so of. um so in the last project that we just shot this this uh, Frankenstein horror film. Um, I mean, we were done at like one in the morning. Everybody had to go to work the next day at a, at a um, troopers of, for a crew. But I was up till like three, four, even though I also had to work in the morning. But like I was because I'm just so jazzed and so and I was so happy and excited with what we were doing. That's how you know your passion. There, there, there was a kid at the trolley when I was going to one of the comic cons and he said, you know, how do you know your passion? Because he was graduating high school. And I said, do you know where you're going to do next? This is the kind of conversations I have with total strangers, okay? And this kid was like 17. And he says, no, actually, I don't have a clue. And I said, well, what's your passion? And he says, I don't know what my passion is. How do I know what my passion is? And then I said, well, basically, it's that thing that you do where you lose track of time and you feel like you could keep doing it forever. And he says, oh. And I said, do you feel that with anything? He's all games. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, then if that's your passion, though, find a way into the video game industry. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was like, oh, but he didn't know. A lot of people don't realize what passion is, but that gives you the energy to keep going, though, and to go that way. That's that's like a sign. It's like a sign. It's like, here's your here's your road. Here's your journey. Here's your path. Here's your. Here's your power. You know what I'm saying? Like your superpower. No, yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I've had, a, I have another friend who, uh, he had, a, he had a, he's an actor. Uh, actually, Mike Solaris, he was in, uh, my feature film and he was speaking on one, uh, why one of his, uh, marriages didn't last. And he said that, um, you know, his, his wife was his wife and then, but the films were the mistress. And, um, and so sometimes like, uh, even recently, like, it's like, I, I like the, the film is due or it's, it's like, I'm not going to be normal again until I'm done until it's out of my head and it's on right. the page or it's until it's, um, or, or until we film it. Like I'm not, I'm not really going to be present with whatever we're talking about. Cause that's what I'm thinking about is the movie that we're working on and or what, what the edit that I'm going to be doing later is, or so and it might be hard for, for you guys who are listening to, to even think about, you know, that, oh, my God, I don't think I'll I don't think that that could happen. If you've never made a movie before, make that movie that you want to make. Don't make somebody else's movie. You can help other people make their movies. Come up with your own. Come up with your own movies. There are a lot of people that make films and then they quit. They're going, that wasn't for me. Part of the reason is because you haven't made that story that really means something to you. And if you make the story that really, really connects with you in some way, then you'll feel the drive to make it. And when you do that and you make that, at the end, you are going to feel what these guys are saying. And no, it's not cocaine <laughs> <laughs> or your mistress. <laughs> it's 
it's it's something that just overwhelms you like what Joey was saying. And it's the best feeling in the world. And that's how you know you were meant to do it. But you'll only find out if you give it your best shot. And thank you for listening. Uh, I know this is coming out the day uh, on the 28th. So we would have had Thanksgiving, but that's not going to stop us from wishing you a very happy Thanksgiving holiday if you're celebrating. And if not, thank you so much for subscribing and listening to the show. Uh, Say goodbye to our listeners, guys. Catch you next time. (laughs) 